bass players, coffee drinkers. Are there still coffee drinkers out there? Musicians, coffee drinkers. Are we? Is that still around? Is that still a thing? Or are we kind of putting that moniker to bed? I don't know. Let's uh, let's investigate. Leave your you know comments on a postcard. Answers, suggestions on a postcard to Yannick Wisdala, Esquire. Are you still a coffee drinker? Um, wow, so much going on. I don't know where to start, but I have to start. And let's say, uh, let's go, let's, let's, well, let's pick up where we left off before on the last episode, shall we? Let's pick up with um, kind of what's going on with the new album. Um, going to Spain next month, new trio, which I'm sure most of you already know about with Nico and Tom. Um, but there are so many, there are so many layers to it and layers that I'm going to kind of peel back and, um, sort of reveal over the coming weeks as I kind of continue conceptualizing the music, uh, writing what, as much as is going to get written. Um, a lot of this stuff is going to be improvised, but yeah, as I finish conceptualizing the sound at least and I'm working on my programming and sound design and game structure and signal flow and all that kind of stuff for the pedals, um, I'm going to be kind of peeling back a few layers of what has kind of happened already and what direction I'm going in now. Podcast is back. Whoa. Okay. I did hit the space bar. Ah, yeah. Okay. So here we go. From last episode, I was just listening to it, just the opening, and it sounded like it was a little bit blown out and distorted. Sorry about that. Getting back into the swing of things here. Um, so hopefully this week it's nice and uh, silky smooth. Back to our good old radio vo- voice self, radio mix, whatever that plug-in in Logic is that I use. Just faking it, basically. Um, so, yeah, the history of what has been going on. This is going to be album number 13, um, and we are 18 years uh, out from the first album, From Mystery to Me. I'm going to kind of I'm, I'm going to do a YouTube video because I think there's some visual things I want to include and, um, you know, go into a little bit more depth than perhaps I will on the podcast here. But a lot has happened and uh, a lot of time has passed. And I'm bringing back in uh, the engineer who mixed Mystery to Me, Juan Pablo Alcarro. Um, that was one of my first album liner note credit uh, mishaps where for some reason, and we knew each other very well from Berkeley, and I don't know how this got lost in translation, but if you have an old copy of Mystery to Me, like a hard copy, you can go check the liner notes, and he is credited as Juan uh, no, not Juan, Juan Carlos Alcarro instead of Juan Pablo. I don't know what I was thinking. I, yeah, who knows? I think I was 23 or 24, whatever I was, and uh, just didn't know what the what the hell I was doing. But that was one of the casualties of that record. Anyway, he is back. He is, uh, always was and still is, Juan Pablo Alcarro uh, from Argentina. He's coming up from Buenos Aires to Spain um, for the sessions. Uh, so, yeah, good to kind of reconnect on a project with someone from the past, someone who was like a, a pretty major part, obviously mixing that first record, that debut record, someone who was a major part of my uh, kind of musical history, recording history. Um, and I'm going to kind of, in, in the YouTube video, I'll go through all the albums. But as I said, this is going to be number 13 coming up, started with Mystery to Me. If you don't know that, that's um, that's this little chestnut. Of course, you're only hearing it through the little room mic on the Zoom here. You can go... You can go stream that. Mm. 
necessarily John Ellis playing a soprano there, but for the most part, it is Mark Turner playing tenor on that record. And we had Gretchen Parlato, Gregoire Marais, um, Tim Miller, of course, Jojo Mayer played drums, Elliot Mason. Uh, it was kind of a, a stacked band for a debut record. Um, I'm sure some of you have heard me talk about the actual debut records that never were. Um, for those who haven't, I guess I'll give a quick recap on that in that I made probably three or four records before Mystery to Me that I opted not to release. Um, uh, you know, once I had you know, written the music, rehearsed the band, uh, gone to the studio, recorded the material and kind of got it back and listened to it just wasn't wasn't up to what i was hearing wasn't up to the standard i was trying to uh attain first time out the gate i'm not sure i think because mystery to me was such a i i, I started to learn then to put myself in a um in a little bit more of a vulnerable situation when i was recording um so we're leaping around a bit here but mystery to me uh the first record the first record that i released 2004 i think it was um that was done live in one take in front of a live studio audience i packed the control room with uh with people so yeah long before <clears throat> long before you know cats like snarky puppy and all those guys were doing it i actually did pack a control room full of people in 2004 and recorded that album uh live in one take from top to bottom you know my original plan had been to do it live and take a mobile recording unit maybe do it at a club in new york city somewhere and really kind of get that high quality, like take a ton of mics and a real kind of mobile recording unit and, and get a high quality live record. But that proved logistically a little bit of a nightmare. So I ended up going to uh, Manhattan Center Studios uh, right there in uh, where the Hammerstein Ballroom is on 34th Street in New York. And uh, where they did uh, tons of records were done in there, actually. If you go and look at pictures of that place, it's kind of a unique kind of cabin look, wood cabin look inside. And I believe they did like a bunch of uh, the Justin Timberlake Justified record in there. I know Timberland used to work in that studio. It was kind of a bit more of a hip hop R&B pop studio. But it had a nice big live room with a, with a massive drum room in the back so I could get a little bit of separation from the drums. And then everyone else, so it was all like uh, three horns, John, Mark, and Elliot, and, um, and me were live in the big room. And Jojo, uh, and Tim was in there as well, but I think he was DI'd. And then Jojo in the, uh, in the booth, and then Gretchen and Gregoire came in, in and out for the, for the songs they were on. Um, but it, yeah, great studio to do that in the control room was absolutely rammed full of people. I think we had about 90 people in this fairly small control room and that was the vibe. And so I, I, I definitely learned early on to put myself in a, in a little bit more of a vulnerable position, um, and kind of leave things to happen as they should, you know, the audience there and it just felt a little bit more like, okay, let's just see what happens because it's more like a live show and live shows. I think we're all a little bit better at letting go of. Um, I also learned early on on that record to, uh, or eventually I shouldn't say earlier on, if that's like the fifth record I actually made and the first one I put out, it took me a few records to learn it, but at least, you know, in my early twenties, I got to the point where that album was rehearsed on a Wednesday at Euphoria in New York. We recorded on Thursday, Manhattan Center Studios. We mixed it, me and Juan Pablo, on Friday. Like We mixed the album the next day, and we took Saturday off to listen to the mixes, and Sunday, um, I went to the Hit Factory, and I mastered it. Oh, I didn't master it. The mastering session was at the Hit Factory with an engineer called Nathan James, who um, 
did a bunch of my records actually and that was actually the last album to ever be mastered at the hip factory in new york city and i remember walking around the uh what nathan took me on a on a little tour of the studio i think that was the was that the first time i think that was maybe it was the only time i ended up going in the hip factory because i it was kind of that was it yeah so he took me on a little tour of the studio and we're walking through the corridors and he's like, oh, so this big band has got the you know, studio A locked out for three months. I was like, holy shit, three months? Who's that? And we're walking through the corridors. It's all these wardrobe cases. It's like nothing but wardrobe cases. It's clothes and, cl- and like the most outrageous clothes and some regular like sweatpants and stuff but like crazy like stage clothes and these huge cases. And we're like sort of squeezing down the corridors at a hip factory. And we passed one room, like, uh, I think it was, I think they actually had Studio A and B, because they definitely had a secondary studio for writing. And I look in there, and there's all these keyboards, crazy guitar rig, pretty straight up kind of rock looking bass rig, and more drums than I think I'd, I'd ever seen in one place in my life. Turns out it was Dream Theater. I'm not sure you've, um, if there are any Dream Theater fans, or you probably, actually, you know what? <laughs> I can Google that while I'm talking to you guys. Um, so if I go to Dream Theater. Anyway, they had Studio A locked out for three months. Totally insane. Um, and I'm guessing Train of Thought. Is that their, uh, Is that the one from around that time? Let's see if there's some... Uh, I guess not, because that says Cove City Studios, Pie Studios, and Beat Street Studios. Well, maybe it was the one before. Bear Tracks? Jeez. Jeez, these guys have a lot of records out. Live with Budokan. Man, I, I don't even see it on here. Ah, the Hit Factory. There we go. It was Octavarium. That was the record they were making. Uh, that's right, because November 2004. There we go. November 2004 was when I was making the record. And it says recorded November 2004 to February of 2005. And I believe that was the last kind of big band session, large uh, band, like rock band session um, they did at the Hit Factory before it closed. So, yeah, Dream Theater, Octavarium, last big session there. And the last mastering session was Little Old Me. Uh, mystery to me in fact my first record um and there's a little bit of history here this the hip factory oh yeah michael jackson madonna stevie wonder u2 john lennon man oh yeah and then it says dream theater it says here on the wikipedia page dream theater was the last band to record there before it was permanently closed boom so my my hey this is good my memory's not failing me i sometimes think do you ever get this i sometimes think that i'm telling stories and they are now from so long ago. I'm like, some of them, they, it sounds like they're bullshit. It sounds like I'm totally making it up. But they're stories I've told before, and I'm pretty sure are true. Like, I had that feeling as I was telling you that story. Like, oh, was it really? this? And especially as I couldn't find the album initially on Wikipedia, I'm like, oh, am I full of shit? Am I totally misremembering this? Because it was almost 20 years ago. Do you get that? I don't know. Am I party of one here? Memory failing? Um, getting old? lack of sleep, having a kid, that kind of thing. I don't know, but that's, uh, I sometimes feel like that. I have to keep fact-checking myself. Thank Christ for Google. Um, and let's hope that stays relatively accurate, at least with some basic facts. Um, yeah, so mystery to me. It took a little while to do the follow-up. Um, wasn't until 2007 that we did Live at a 55 Bar. Finally did the live album that I wanted to, but that was kind of direct to two uh, two track if you like it was just um, p- 
pair of stereo mics in the club. It's really simple. Huge band, like seven-piece band, but only two microphones. And considering those parameters, um, I actually love the way that record... There are some moments on that record, not for me by any means, but especially the guitar solo on the bonus track. This... Tim Miller opening right here. <laughs> I love that line. You'll hear me overuse that line a lot. Um, but yeah, I was actually really happy with how that record sounded considering it was two mics. And it was just fun. It was nice to capture a band that played together, like legitimately. We weren't just like a bunch of, I didn't just hire a bunch of random people to play this music. Um, like we played together as a band, like for a couple of years every week at that club. So it was nice to capture that and, you know, play gigs before that, uh, lead into the recording and then keep playing there. And, you know, various people would, 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 would do the gig. You know, it wasn't always the same cats. I know Jojo did it on drums. Uh, Sean Rickman did it on drums. Um, I think Obed Calvert did at least one gig on drums. Then we always had different, you know, different horns, like the Elliot and Brad and, and Justin weren't always in town. So I know there were gigs with Gregoire Marais, with Randy Brecker. There's, I have all of them recorded as well. So again, I'm jumping around all over the place, but it's because I'm excited about recorded music and about my catalog of music and about revisiting a few things um, and, and, and maybe releasing some bootlegs, especially from that Live at the 55 Bar era. I know there's stuff with Albert Loisink, who was the uh, he's a Dutch, uh, great lead trumpet player, but was actually the recording engineer of Mystery to Me. Um, he recorded it and Juan Pablo Alcaro mixed it. Um, so I know there are gigs with him, with Randy Brecker, with Jojo, uh, I think Bob Reynolds, uh, John Ellis, like just a bunch of people that, that kind of rotated through that band. And uh, it'd be fun to get those bootlegs. They're super low quality. They're not even as good as like bootlegging it on a dictaphone. They're just kind of low res. I think they were recorded in Ollie Rockberger's iPod for the most part. Um, maybe Justin has some higher res versions of them. But either way, I, you know, let me know. Like, um, if you, look, if you're not in the Telegram channel, by the way, that is where you can give me like, if I, when I ask you a question here on a podcast, the Telegram channel is like the most centrally centrally located place um, to give me some feedback about that stuff. So I know some people are like, oh yeah, Telegram, man, that's a hard no for me. You know, citing security risk and blah 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 blah. The data, this, that, don't. You know, don't like discuss ISIS on 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 a freaking messaging platform if you're that worried about shit. You know what I mean? And you know, set your preferences not to share data with Apple or with anyone actually, and you'd probably be all right. Um, I, th- I think Telegram's not the the big horrible beast that some conspiracy theorists make it out to be. So anyway, um, all that to say, it's really uh, kind of a fun discussion that happens there on a very regular basis. I post content as well as we have a you know discussion kind of platform, and you can give me feedback about that. If you want to hear some, some bootlegs from that era, uh, I'm definitely going to go digging them out and chop them up and maybe give them a little bump like mastering and denoising and make them act kind of listenable but it'll really be like an old you know bootleg cassette style thing um it was it was a super fun era to make music and to be in new york and to kind of be young and uh you know playing multiple sets a night and playing multiple gigs a week and just working with those and you know insanely great musicians um on a regular basis it was a great 
kind of foundation for a part of my career and uh and and you know recording history as well and that kind of you know 2010 came around that's when space between uh rolled into focus it was kind of mainly recorded in uh at the bunker the old bunker studios um by john davis in new york that was the first record we worked on together um or rather the first record that he worked on of mine i think we we did sessions before for other people um and we knew each other because of nerve and all kinds of stuff jojo's band so yeah i should get that right that was the first record of mine that he worked on and he uh he recorded and mixed that album i think nathan james again um mastered it but he had already moved to phoenix and has a company i believe he still has it let me check that see this is great i can actually fact check I believe it's called the Vault Mastering Studios in Arizona. I think he is now the Vault. There it is, Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, I even see the picture of Nate. There he is. I recognize those speakers. Ooh, oh, this brings back some memories. Um, I see Gretchen is right there on the client list, like all people I know. I guess I'm on the freaking client list as well. There we go. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, Nathan James, The Vault Mastering. It's vaultmastering.com if you want to check him out. Great mastery engineer. And, uh, yeah, so he did that one. And that was fun. You know, like, that was the first time I'd kind of had, like, guests. You know, Mike Stern was live in the studio tracking with us, um, which was awesome. Um, but I had Ayeto Morera and Doug Womble and James Valentine, my buddy from Room 5, play some guitar on one track. So those were kind of added later and kind of overdubs and stuff. So that was the first time I'd really done that. It was the first time having guests and sort of breaking up the process, not recording everything in the same place, same time, same room. Um, and then I have, oh, 2011 is when we went to Barcelona with the quartet. So I did actually put out a double out or triple album. Even. How many sets? One, two, three, four sets. Four shows I put out from there. That's on Spotify. You can stream that. There are some great moments in there with, uh, with Tim Miller and Odin Varga and Jojo. Really fun. But that's a straight up live album. Total bootleg vibe. Um, it is almost exactly 10 years to the day that we did it only happens once this record with jojo with juliana mark juliana john ellis justin vasquez um i used to use this you might recognize this if you listen to podcasts before i used to use this track as kind of my intro track um man what a great time to be in the studio and to be working with those guys um Definitely recommend checking that out if you want to hear some more. That, that album was completely improvised. So although it's, there was a lot of groove in there and uh, a lot of great kind of locking up moments, both harmonically and rhythmically with all the cats, it was completely improvised. I didn't write any music for that album. And I have about eight hours more material from those sessions that never got mixed and mastered because we basically just recorded straight for two days. So I'm also thinking of putting out maybe a little... Maybe a, 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 a um, kind of an anniversary edition. I don't think I'm going to get it for the 10 year anniversary this weekend. But at some point, put out a little anniversary edition of that record and add some bonus tracks that never got heard. Um, that would be kind of fun. Um, Theatre by the Sea 2013 was up next and was another one where I recorded the rhythm section in um, in L.A. I recorded Peter Erskine and Alan Pasqua at Peter's studio in Santa Monica. And then a few weeks later, went to New York and overdubbed all the cats like um, Nia Felder, Bob Franceschini, Lizzie Loeb, 
uh, Randy Brecker. I sent um, I sent the track to Sergio Vain from Mana, the guitar player, for for this one for España, and he recorded that at home. Just a beautiful nylon nylon string sound. Um, so yeah, that was that that was that record. That was another one that got kind of split up into two sessions and cats didn't get to play live with each other all the soloists together but oh and stern came in and played on that one as well a couple of tracks wow um but to me there are moments in chicago opener the last track where where erskine and near felder are just absolutely melting each other's faces like they were in the room like near was leaning over the drums and pete was just like screaming in his face almost there's that kind of level of hookup so i i guess it is possible that's something i'd always shied away from because it's like man if it's not happening live and it's not in the moment i'm not really interested um and then circumstances said well you can either have that attitude or you could make this record with these amazing musicians and and see what's up um, oh Christ, I forgot Elliot's on that record as well. Man, there are a lot of cats on this record. Damn. Um, that's how many overdub sessions I did. Uh, one big one at the bunker with Nia and and Stern and Lizzie and Bob uh, Franceschini came down. I think Elliot did his at home. Randy did his at home. And Sergio did his uh, also at home. Yeah, in, in LA. Um, so yeah, that was super fun record to make. Um, motion picture 2014, not really much to talk about. Trio records, start to finish. Near fell to Gary Husband. Um, not quite sure what I was thinking then. Well, not the most compositionally strong record I've ever made. Um, I think I was going for something that I wasn't uh, capable of executing at the time and perhaps did that. It was just maybe bad timing uh, for that record. Um, Snow Guard was a lot of fun because in, in 2015 because that was, that was out in Sweden with... Uh, with uh, Alex Gunia and Morgan Agron, great improvising musicians. And that was another record that was totally off the cuff, didn't prepare any music and kind of got some really cool moments from that. And and Alex had this whole kind of ambient setup and some Ableton Live stuff he was triggering and we kind of jammed along to some loops and to some sequences that we made in the moment. Super fun. We did it all in this little red wooden hut in uh, in Morgan's backyard, his little studio. Kind of very, very Swedish, Swedish red hut recording studio. <laughs> really fun. Um, American Elm 2016. Like my whole concept through the, through the what was that, the, the 2010s was to put out a record a year. Um, and I guess I was... I was pretty successful up until the pandemic hit, up until 2019. I did I did 10 in a row. Um, didn't get one out in 2020 or 2021. So we're trying to make up for that next month in Spain. But American Elm was completely solo, as you might know if you've, if you've listened to mute the, the music and you listen to some of my records. American Elm was completely solo. I did it at James's house, at J- uh, James Valentine's house, and he engineered that. I bought my friend Jeff Rothschild out of retirement to mix and master it. And uh, it's the first time, I think it's the first time I ever did any, oh, no, no, no. I was about to say it's the first time I did any kind of cover. But I did have one cover on um, The Space In Between where I covered the Little Dragon song. And I think maybe to date that's the only track on any record I've ever made that has 
vocals with with lyrics with actual words and not just syllables so yeah it's very, basically what i'm saying is it's very rare that i cover anything and um i ended up putting the god rest you merry gentlemen a little arrangement i'd made reharmonization and day tripper which hails from being at gerald Weasley's bass boot camp um back in about ooh, that must have been 10 years ago at least like 11 12 13 something like that and it was like a beatles themed tutors concert so all the instructors had to play a song by the Beatles. And uh, um, Gerald told me this, like, kind of after lunch. And I had the couple of hours in the afternoon off before sound check. So I went back to the, went back to the hotel and threw on, uh, um, you know, went back to my room and uh, threw on a uh, playlist, like a random playlist of Beatles stuff. And Day Tripper came up. So if you haven't heard this, go check it out um but it ended up being being kind of a kind of a hit people really dug it i I made the arrangement in in an hour or something and uh came up with some you know some voicings learned the melody and uh, i have a video of it somewhere i should probably throw that out there of uh, actually the first performance of that on the show at the gerald's uh, bass boot camp really fun wow it's weird listening back to this now this is eight years ago this is also something I don't do. I don't ever listen back to my own music. So it's very strange. Like I'll listen to a second or two of it if I'm looking for like reference tracks to send to a musician that's playing with me that, that I need to have like a playlist for them to learn my music. I'll, I'll end up listening to a couple of seconds here and there, but I've never gone back and listened to entire songs of any of these albums. Um, right? Finding the easy way out, yeah. Probably couldn't play this if you put a gun to my head. Oh. Anyway, that's uh, yeah, that's American Arm, the solo record. Then, of course, I released like a bunch of tracks. What was that? Like a three kind of three album set from the Last Minute World Tour, which took place in 2017. That was completely solo. You may even have been at a show or two if you're a fan of the music and been listening to the podcast for a while. Um, but yeah, so that was that that got put out in 2017. Oh, 2018. Shit. So I did. I, mean, I did miss a year. God damn it. Um, that's too bad. And uh, yeah. And then the union um, going to New York and getting to have John Patitucci standing behind the mixing console producing the record. You know, that was um, when I think back to. Okay, I'm going to p- see if I can find this on YouTube and play a little clip to see if anyone else has um, this kind of um, sense memory um, kind of reaction to this sound. Do you remember? Let's see if I can find a clip that I really... Let's see. How about this? He's going to... Oh, it's the, it's the whole thing. Damn it. I was hoping it was just going to be a little clip of John talking, but... Oh, well, this is the opening. Does anyone remember this? John, I know John is not ever going to be listening to this, but John, man, you had some legendary haircuts, my friend. (laughs) I mean, really legendary. And just owning that as well, you know. The silk shirt, top button all the way done up, you know. 
Anyway, this is, uh, you know, John Patitucci, the electric bass. I had this on VHS, of course, because it was the 90s. You know, I wore that thing out. Like, that was my, that was the extent of my YouTube in the 90s. That was what I had. I had this. I had modern electric bass, the Jacko video. And then I had whatever, a bunch of blank VHS tapes that I would try and tape things off of the TV with. Um, I remember the Julian Joseph uh, all-star big band um, back in the 90s. Maybe that was 96, 97. There's just a few key concerts. It was a Buddy Rich thing, maybe a Chick Corea thing. Just, uh, yeah, that was, that was my, you know, that was my YouTube back then. And when my buddy got like the Chick Corea uh, kind of workshop VHSs with Patatucci and Tom Brechlein. That was huge. Like, where you just sit there and watch those for hours and hours. So, long story long, to have John, you know, standing on the other side of the glass, and actually before that, just talking to him over email and just sending ideas back and forth and talking on the phone, then going to his house. He was very gracious to uh, let us record at his home, uh, let us rehearse rather at his home studio downstairs got a nice piano and drums and everything so we went over there me clarence rustlin and uh and phil and uh, chelsea was with me as well um the whole time so yeah for that to play out and then to be in the in the booth cutting my record and looking over and there's john you know my hero since the since the almost the first day i started playing the bass was huge and for us to be talking about music kind of as as peers was freaky you know that that uh, but that's, I mean, not that that was new in that moment. We've been pretty good friends for, for some years now and get to hang and have played together a few times and, and just hung out and talked about all, all kinds of things. So it's being peers is kind of, it's, it feels weird. I say it feels really weird to say it like that because I still, it, it just feels like me and them and them being that sort of like really elite class of musician that I grew up, you know, learning from and listening to and eventually getting to know, like John and Victor and, you know, those those guys, Gary Willis, another, what a massive hero. And now when I'm in Barcelona, we go hang out and have a beer. Well, I don't drink beer anymore, but you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it is, I think they'll probably be weird as long as I live, actually. I don't see that going away because I think that my level of respect for those guys has never, ever dropped. Um which is amazing because you know you like i'm sure um if you're not listening to this and you're not 15 if you're maybe somewhere in my age range or you've had 10 15 years experience i'm sure you know that thing of like well everything you're in awe of when you're young you know what everything is amazing you're not really forming opinions yet and you just like trying to soak up everything you want and then you you form opinions and you like things you like and there are things you don't like and things kind of fall off your radar and it's just really it's a really great it's a great feeling it's uh i think it's just a great thing for me personally i'm very fortunate that none of those cats fell off my radar they never became any less relevant or important to me as as musicians and um kind of the way that like especially Vic and and John and and Willis the way they've kind of developed over the years and still continue to develop to my ear is freaking amazing it's really really inspirational it makes me um it's really motivating to try not to fuck it up you know to always give the music the respect that it that it deserves and always be kind of asking questions and letting my curiosity kind of uh you know 
be the guide. Um, that's going to be huge for uh, for the sessions um, next month in Spain with the guys. That's really something. It's almost I'm almost I'm think I'm spending more time mentally preparing for the moment than I am musically. Like I'm not fussing and obsessing over how great my technique feels. I'm not going crazy about like oh I need at least twenty songs in the can so I can pick ten. Like no, I, I actually don't mind if I show up with zero songs because I know we'll come out the other end with an album if we have the right intent and the right attitude um so yeah i guess it's kind of the long version of the history uh of of the discography and you know in, also in there amongst you know in 2017 for instance i did a, an ep with john davis the bass duo album um and i did in 20 was it 2020 or 2021 oh, it was last year i did put out a couple of singles la gerencia and um factor 1000 so it's not like i've been completely dormant for the past two years um but it's definitely been it's definitely been a bit a bit bleak in terms of in terms of output I've had my bass on this whole time. Because I fully intended to practice or share some warm-up things with you guys. Yeah, but maybe that's for another episode. Um, maybe I should go do that on my own. And... Uh, kind of get on with the rest of my day so yeah um a lot coming down the pipeline um i'm going to do uh it's not out i'm kind of even hesitant to talk about it right now but i'll plant the seed why not i'm it's i'm gonna be transparent and uh it's on my mind i'm working on it every day why not share it i'm working on um doing somewhat of a pre-sale for the new material um I've talked a little bit about how I plan to release it, which is uh, that it's not going to go on any of the streaming services or digital platforms. The only place the music will be available for the public to consume will be at my website via download. Um, and I, I don't have a price for it yet, um, but the, I'm going to stagger the release of the material, um, being that a lot of people simply don't have the time to purchase 10 songs and then really sit there and listen to them and kind of give them the time that they that they might need to uh to kind of seep in and and be appreciated so i'm going to release probably two singles a month i hope to have the music mixed and finished in in the end of april as we're recording in the end of march so um going to release two singles a month there will be some promo video footage but there won't be like full length you know videos on youtube of the music none of that stuff it really is going to be about the music. Um, but there will be a pre-sale. So if people are interested in hearing the entire album as an album right away, um, not that the album won't ever become an album, the idea of releasing the singles to a month for five months uh, so that we build up the enough content um, for an album is that it you know, eventually becomes an album just in time for the tour, the first European tour with the band in the end of August. And hopefully we'll be able to do something like, you know, vinyl or something like that. That's that's way, way off, though. I haven't really found the, sol the right solution for that yet. So the focus is on a pre-sale, and that pre-sale will include a digital download, MP3, and FLAC files. High-quality, high-resolution files, so you do get that kind of, you know, 
much let's just say much better listening experience than a crappy old mp3 um so that would be kind of one tier i'm thinking of doing five tiers so let me just throw this out there i'll explain it more as i go and uh, make an announcement there'll be like a landing page and a nice explanation and a story and probably some youtube videos explaining it all and everything but kind of tier one would be the album you get the album and you get the high res um, files and we're going to do a really nice digital booklet so what a what a cd package would be but digital so you do actually get all the information and photographs we're doing great stills while we're there in the studio and liner notes and information about the recording and the process and technical stuff and instruments all that kind of stuff we're going to do a nice digital booklet for that um then tier two will include i wrote them all down actually i should probably not just try and wing it and be an idiot having to backtrack at some point so uh yeah so the second tier we are going to make like a a full-on documentary video about this again something that will not be released in its entirety on youtube or vimeo or anything like that it will be just for the people uh who get the pre-sale that'd be like the second tier be a little bit more expensive um the third tier we're entertaining the idea of doing a group zoom call with the band live in the studio so that'll be a little bit more expensive it'll be limited probably to 10 spots so the screen isn't full of people and you feel like you can ask some questions and be you know actually be interactive rather than just be dictated to but i thought it'd be cool to be in the studio it'll be you know central european time um we're there for three days so we can figure out a day that works for everyone and um yeah it'd be cool to for you to get to talk to the musicians to the engineers take a look around the studio you know it's not something i'm going to be live streaming um i've done that in the past i'm not doing that again i'm not i'm just not giving away all the stuff right away as it happens you know so that'll be you know limited to 10 spots group zoom call uh live in the studio then i'm going to release a few one hour private zoom calls with me so after the you know if you you know after the album is out you get a chance to listen to it then you can you know, you maybe have questions about signal chain, about pedals, about uh, improvisation, about how we interacted, like why did this happen there? You know, all questions I can't answer right now, obviously, because it hasn't happened. But yeah, I figured it would be, you know, maybe of value to some people who are uh, genuinely interested in the process of the music to have a one-on-one call with me. So I'm going to release some of those in um, in the fourth level package. And then this might be bonkers. This is what I need your feedback about in the Telegram channel for real now. Um, this could be totally bonkers, but I don't know if you remember. Here's something else I can research. Um, as I talk to you, um, let's see. Um, it was once upon a time in Shaolin. So um, in 20, let's see, 2015. Wu-Tang Clan made Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. They made a single copy of the album. Unfortunately, it went to this Martin Skrell, Skrelly moron, uh, which was unfortunate. But yes, their, their concept was that they they made only one copy of the album. And how much did it sell for? Where's the number? There's normally a big fat number. Oh, yeah. Two million dollars. Because this person was the only... Um, the only person to own that album so that's pretty crazy right that's obviously Wu-Tang Clan it's a massive band like Christ it's like you know you two making an album and just one person in the world gets it it's pretty crazy um but I'm thinking of doing something along those lines for if there's somebody who's really passionate about the music where there's a track uh 
and you get a track with the video and the high res and it's just one of one. Like it's a song that we do record in the studio. I'm guessing there are going to be two, three, maybe four things in the studio that we don't use as a main release for the album, but only because it would be too much information to release as an album, not because they're like, yeah, we don't like them. Um, so I'm thinking on the fifth tier, the fifth and final tier of this kind of pre-sale vibe to do one song, like a one-of-one one track that is available. I am no idea how much I should charge for that. If anyone's even interested, is that worth 500 bucks to someone? Is it worth 1000 Is it worth 10000 Is it worth $80? I don't know. Um, but it would be something, you know, along the lines of what's going on with the NFT craze right now, where there are one of one things and people that's, they have them. They're the owner. Obviously I will have a copy cause I'm here mixing it as my music. So technically there will be two, but of course the agreement is I'm not going to release the music ever. And it is, would be yours if you were a buyer to do what you wanted with. You could literally just stream it on YouTube if you wanted, um, you couldn't upload it to a platform and make royalties from it. It would be royalty protected, but you could share it, of course, or you could keep it private and play it for your friends. I don't know. Anyway, that is a, kind of a long-winded intro into what's floating through my brain right now in terms of a pre-launch for the album. It will also greatly help cover the cost of making the record. Um, I'm Like I've, I mentioned recently, I'm definitely in the headspace of trying to have zero commercial aspirations for this music i think that really um helps me be a little freer and and completely honest with the with the way i record um but at the same time i'm not looking for financial ruin you know i'm not doing it at the expense of you know food for the next month or so um because at the end of the day it's not cheap so a pre-sale will definitely help that and i think there'll be you know multiple levels so anyone can get involved depending on which uh which level of engagement they're looking for and each of those levels of course the higher up you go will include all the previous features um just to be clear anyway that's it that's enough of my ranting and chatting and uh, i hope this got you through a run or a gym session or you know maybe just a lazy afternoon and a glass of wine um i'm really digging the podcast being back i'm digging not being glued to social media as much as i was uh, now that i've unfollowed everyone and uh yeah i think we all maybe we all win with that um i get to produce free content for you guys and i, I just enjoy the fact that i have time to do that so uh that's it i will um see you cats on the next one don't forget to check out the telegram channel it is linked in the show notes of this episode see you next time